Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Today, we are starting a brand new series called Game Changer. But before I get into what we're talking about, I need to give a parental advisory warning. If you have elementary age kids with you right now, this is not going to be a good series for them to be in here. Uh, Because there's going to be some things that I say over the next few weeks that I doubt you want to have conversations with your kid about. Let me just say this while we're at it, because I say this every once in a while. Um, this auditorium is never going to be the best space for birth through elementary age kids, because I don't filter what I say in here, because there might be a first grader in here, or a third grader in here, or a kindergartner in here. And so right now is a great time to head over to check in your children to Collective Kids, an environment that was designed just for them, uh, give them a hug and a kiss and let them know this is actually what's best for them and be honest with them and say, it's actually what's best for you to not have them in here so you're not focusing on them while we go through this series. And once you do that, you can come back here and to give you some time to do that, we're gonna go through a few other announcements. A few years ago in the fall, we did a sermon series uh, on our values as, our, as a church. And one of our values is own your growth. And that Sunday, what we did was we handed out some journals. And the reason why is because we tell you every single week to write this down, right? Take this note, take a picture of this, um, figure out a way to bring this home with you so you don't just come here for an hour and leave. And many of you filled up those journals. Uh, some of you filled up the journals and bought new ones. Some of you filled up those journals and came back to us to get new ones. And so here's what we're going to do right now, because this series matters so much to the future of our church and our city and our families and our marriages. If you have gotten out of the habit of writing in a journal or you have filled yours up and you want a new one right now, if you raise your hand, our auditorium team will bring some around to you. Um, For those of you who are like, I'm just gonna remember it, you won't, okay? Um, This is really important, raise your hand, go ahead and do that. Um, They'll drop it off, it's free, just take it. Uh, We're not gonna do this next week. So if you don't raise your hand this week and you regret it next week, sucks to suck, okay? You had your opportunity. All right. Keep your hand up if you want a journal. And while our team passes those out, I have one more announcement. Last summer, my wife and I got to go to Israel and we did a Holy Land tour. And it was easily one of the best experiences of our lives. We got to walk where Jesus walked. We got to see and touch the most important places tied to our faith. But we went with a group of friends from another church and the entire time we were there, we just kept thinking, we need to bring collective. And so before we ever left Israel, I booked our own tour for the summer of 2024. And while we are still a bit over a year away, I need to get this on your radar because this is a big trip. Uh, The cost is big. The amount of time you will be gone is big. And and so because of all that, and because we know people will have questions and I can't answer them every single Sunday in the lobby, on August 27th, we're going to have an informational meeting uh, right after church about this trip. 
So if you are interested in learning more, you've heard me mention it in the past and you've got questions, go to this meeting, right? This meeting, signing up for this doesn't mean you're going. It doesn't mean you're committed, anything like that. Um, it just means I want to learn more. I've got questions and give me the opportunity to answer those for you. And so if you wanna be a part of that, the best way to sign up for that is through the app, right? If you don't have the app, download the Church Center app, select Collective Church. Uh, and then what you do is you click on coming up, then click on the click here when it comes to the August 27th informational meeting and sign up. Uh, it even gives you a place where you can ask questions ahead of time so I know that I can answer the right ones. Um, and we're gonna talk more about this over this summer. Um, really, it's, it's to get us thinking a year out, which is kind of big, um, but that's because the trip is so important. And so if you're interested in learning more, August 27th, make sure to sign up and uh, we'll do it here in the auditorium and I'll answer any questions you have and get us kind of geared toward um, what I believe is one of the most important trips you will ever take in your life if you are going with us. All right, so let's talk about this series. There is data that shows that if a wife leads the way when going to church, 17% of the time, her family goes with her. But if a husband leads the way when going to church, 93% of the time, the family goes as well. So in other words, if you reach women, you reach women. But if you reach men, you reach everyone. Now, I don't know all of the reasons for this. I have my own theories that I'm not gonna share with you right now. Ask me in the lobby and I'll tell you. Um, but the thing is, I, I want to reach everyone. Right? Collective was started to reach everyone, which means in order to do that, we have to reach men. So over the next four weeks, I am going to talk directly to the men of this church. And here is why. Men, if you succeed, everyone succeeds. Men, if you grow, this church grows. If you heal, your family heals. If you fight, our culture changes. And just so we're clear, here's what this series is not. This is not a sermon series asking our women and our female students to shrink back. Don't do that. Women, you keep going. You keep pursuing Jesus like you already are. You keep healing. You keep taking next steps. Do not slow down for the men in this church. I've worked at many churches, and that is the culture where women slow themselves down because their husbands or the men around them won't catch up. Don't do that. What this is, though, is a challenge to our men and our teenage boys to step into who God has called them to be. Because when they do that, it is a game changer. It is a game changer in our marriages, in our dating relationships, in the faith of others. It's a game changer in breaking the generational baggage that we receive from our father, who received it from his father, who received it from his father. And it is a game changer in this church and in this city. And I think we would all agree that that is what we want. Here's some promises for this series. Um, and to be honest, these feel a little bit more like warnings. If you want woke over God's truth, if you want something that doesn't convict you, wrong series and honestly, wrong church. If you want a four-week rant on how men are the worst, how all of our problems are because of men, and if men would just be quiet and passive and deny who they are, then our world would be at a better place. That's not what this is going to be because that is not what scripture teaches. This series is about encouraging our men to be the men that God has called them and created them to be. So since it's going to be encouraging, let me start by encouraging you men. Men, I believe in you. You have passion, you have honor, you have creativity, you have strength, you have tenderness. And all of that is good when healthy, when channeled correctly. And my job as your pastor is to help equip you to become who Jesus wants you to be. Because when men live out who they're created to be, everybody wins. 
Everybody wins. Women, children, government, culture, the arts, athletics, business, your student body, they all benefit from strong, humble, loving, genuine men. The theme verse for this series comes from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Paul was a church planner, and what he would do is he would start churches, and once they kind of got going, he'd hand them off to a group of elders or overseers, and they would continue to lead that church forward. Then he would bounce to a new city, start a new church. But every once in a while, he would send a letter back to the churches he helped start in order to encourage and challenge them. And his, and his letters were always written kind of the same way. They always had a similar outline. They'd start with a greeting. Then he'd remind them of God's grace. He'd give them specific instructions for that church based on what they were dealing with. And then at the end, there'd be a salutation, which would include just a few one-liners, a few sentences to sum up his letter. And our theme verse comes from one of those letter-ending sentences to the church in Corinth where Paul writes this. He says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And I love this verse, but there's actually a big problem with this translation. Here's a better translation of what Paul wrote. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. You see, in different translations of the Bible, they remove, remove the phrase, act like men, and change it to be courageous. And honestly, I have no idea why some translations choose to neuter this verse, but I think it's indicative of how we approach men in our culture and in the church today. And maybe it's because men don't know how to act like men, so we just remove it. Maybe it's because we don't really want men to act like men. I don't know. But Paul says to the men of that church, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. So what does it look like to act like the men that God has called us to be? I once heard it like this. In the great commandment, Jesus says that we're to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so write this down. Uh, we're actually gonna go back to this in multiple weeks of this series. But men are created to be a king, a lover, a sage, and a warrior. Men, you are a king. You were created to rule something. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be in charge, and it doesn't mean that when you are in charge that you get to be a tyrant. It just means that you have influence, whether you want to have influence or not. Men, you are a lover. It doesn't mean that you write poetry, but maybe it does. It doesn't mean that you're effeminate, but it does mean that you are gentle. You are tender. And being a lover involves sex. Sex is greatly used and abused, and a godly man views sex as the tender but good gift from God that is shared with his wife and his wife alone. Men, you are a sage. Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You were put on this earth to help others live wisely. And you are a warrior. You were created to fight. If you don't view yourself as a righteous warrior, you will use your aggression in negative ways. But if you, you, if you see yourself as a defender to the defenseless, you will fight righteous battles. So men, the reason we are doing this series is because God created us to be these things. And to be honest, I think we've lost our way. Author Donald Miller said it like this, we have a crisis in this country. It's more than a fatherless crisis. It's a crisis of manhood, of masculinity. 
It's affecting our families, our schools, it's filling our prisons, and it's killing the hearts of our women. Masculinity by osmosis is a farce. Boys are born, men are made. John Eldridge, in his incredible book, Fathered by God, wrote that the problem is that we have a world of uninitiated men, partial men, boys mostly walking around in men's bodies with men's jobs and families and finances and responsibilities. The passing on of masculinity was never completed if it was begun at all. That's why most of us are unfinished men. Pastor Jim Bergen put it like this. A lot of us ask, where are the men who do what they promise? Where are the men who don't leave when things get hard, whose families feel more safe when dad gets angry because that anger is directed in appropriate ways? Where are the men who want to love a woman and not just get in bed with her? Where are the men who are young at heart and not just immature? Where are the kings and lovers and sages and warriors? And and here's what I believe. I believe those types of men are in this church. And so over the next four weeks, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to learn how to act like men of God. We're gonna come face to face with our dad issues. We're gonna deal with the sin that is holding us back and we're gonna step into our calling as men of God. And men, if you choose to do this and not run away, this world will never be the same. And most of the time, When I write sermon series, I write them in a way where if you miss a week here or there, you can still learn. You can still grow. You can kind of catch up to what we're talking about. But this is one of those series specifically for you men where you really need to make this a priority and be here all four weeks to get the fullness of what we're talking about. If you miss one week in this series, you're going to miss the the big, complete story that God is trying to weave in your life. So men, I am challenging you to be here. Are you with me on this? Are you with me on this? All right, let's do it. There are three applications for today that come from our theme verse. Let's read this again, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. So Paul starts with this phrase, be watchful. Here's another way that I would say this. Just be a leader. Be a leader. Leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And men, our culture tells you not to lead. Our culture says that if you lead, you are hurting women, that you are arrogant, that you are privileged, that you are mean. Don't listen to culture. Listen to scripture. Be a leader. And the best type of leaders go first. One of my all-time favorite shows is Band of Brothers. And at the start of episode five, there's this monologue about the main character, Captain Winters, and it goes like this. It says, if you're a leader, you lead the way not just on the easy ones. You take the tough ones too. A good leader has to understand the people that are under him, understand their needs, their desires, and how they think. Captain Winters was one of the best. He went right in there and he never thought of, being, of not being first or sending someone else in his place because leaders go first. Man, you are called to lead your family. You are. And somewhere along the line, we decided that leading our family meant perfection. And we feel this pressure that we have to know it all, that we can't have doubts, that we can't get stuck, that we can't mess up. But that's not what being a leader in your family means. It means you go first. You go first in reading the Bible. Man, your wife doesn't need you to know everything about scripture. Do you know what she needs? She just needs you to say, do you want to read the Bible with me? I'll pick out the plan, that's it. Man, you go first in prayer. Your family doesn't need you to say perfect prayers. Do you know what they need? 
They need you just to say, let's pray about this together. You go first in making faith a priority. Your wife wants you to wake up on Sundays excited to go to church with her. Your girlfriend wants you to sit down with her after lunch at church and say, here's what really hit me today, and here's how I'm wrestling with this. Your kids, specifically your teenage kids in this room right now, are begging for you to sit down with them and ask, what did you learn at church today? And men, you go first. You go first with mental health. You go first with vulnerability. You go first in serving. Man, your wife and your girlfriend and your kids don't need you to be a perfect spiritual leader. They just need you to go first. And listen, I would argue that the reason most men don't take the spiritual lead in their family is because we are insecure. We are. We don't want to look dumb, sound dumb, or act dumb. But women, do you care at all if we do it perfectly? No. What do you care about? That we do it. That is all you are asking for from the men in your life. So men, get out of your own head and be the spiritual leaders that God has called you to be. And men who aren't married, and this includes students, you think this is really far away, and it's just not. Start creating these habits now so you can start your marriage off right by setting that spiritual tone. In fact, students, start doing this now, and you will meet an incredible woman in a few years who will desperately want to be with you forever because she'll see the habits in your life that are healthy and good. Men, be a leader. Let's read the verse again. Be watchful. Second thing says, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. So here's the second application today. You stand firm in the faith by letting Scripture be your foundation. Men, you stand on God's word. I shared these stats a few years ago. I share them all the time. But if you read your Bible every day, you will experience the life that God has for you. You will be more pure, more generous, less depressed. You will struggle less with addiction, anxiety, and insecurity. Stand on God's word. That means setting aside every, every time, every day to read the Bible. That means making it a priority. Read it with your wife, your kids, or your friends. Read it by yourself. Make scripture the foundation of your faith. One thing that is inseparably connected to being in God's word is being in God's church on Sundays. Gallup, the most trusted survey company in the world, did a study during COVID to see what impacted our mental health the most. And they studied every factor that they could think of, political affiliation, income, gender, age, career. And none of those things had a positive impact on people's mental health during that time. The only group whose mental health went up during COVID was those who went to church in person every week. And guess what else they found? People who attend church on Sundays read their Bibles more. What a coincidence, right? Men, you need to make being here a priority. You need to anchor your schedule around being in church, then build your week around that. Because the central event of what happens when we gather is proclaiming God's word. So men, I am challenging you to make it clear in your home. If you have kids who live in your home, I don't care if they're 30, if they live in your home, you make it clear that everyone goes to church every Sunday. This should be a non-negotiable. One thing uh, that I'm seeing in this church right now uh, really upsets me. And and you guys know, if you've been coming to Collective long enough, I'm really proud of this church. And I I think this church just crushes it on a regular basis. But every once in a while, these things pop up that just kind of eat at me. And this is one of those things, because one thing I'm seeing when it comes to the parents of teenagers is that they're letting their teenagers have a say in whether or not they go to church. Why are you doing that? 
Right, right. Think, think about that decision that you're making. And listen, I'm going to call BS on this whole, we don't want to force them to do it, so maybe one day they can choose it on their own. Because the truth is, that's crap, and you know it. Your middle schoolers and high schoolers don't know what it's, what's best for them. They, their brains aren't developed yet, okay? Stop letting them make decisions about their future. They don't know how important this is, right? If your kids don't want to go to school in the morning, what do you do? You make them go to school. They don't want to eat vegetables, you serve them to them at dinner. Your kids don't want to go to a doctor when they're sick, but you make them go. Your kids don't want to sleep. They'd rather stay up all night watching Netflix and being on TikTok, but you make sure they go to bed because you know how good these things are for them. But when it comes to the most important thing they could do every week, you let them choose. Come on. And really, my challenge to you is to stop being insecure and living in fear of your kids thinking you're uncool because that's really what it is. Stop being passive and choosing not to do the hard work and have the hard conversations with your kids. Stop being afraid that you will fail to lead them perfectly and just lead. Right, right, I get it. Your teenagers act like they, they don't wanna be here, right? But the thing is, they act like they don't wanna eat, sleep, or breathe. They still do it anyways. They need to be here. And here's why. 94% of teenagers have been exposed to pornography by the age of 14. I'm gonna talk more in two weeks about the huge impact of that. Drug use went up 61% among eighth graders between 2016 and 2020. Suicides are up 29% just in the last two years alone, but only 3% of teenagers read their Bible regularly. And so we know that uh, reading our Bible regularly leads to being healthier mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And we know that being in church on Sundays is inextricably linked to healthy Bible reading habits. But we aren't gonna make sure that they are here. Parents, ask yourself, what, what do you think the future is of that? And honestly, Collective was started for the students who become adults who walk away from their faith and their life falls apart, then they can come here. But I would really love in about 10 years for Collective to be the type of church that they grow up in and they avoid those things. I would love to still be the church where people can come when their life is falling apart. But what I'd rather see from the students over there and the teenagers in this room is that they never get to that point because you make sure that this is a priority in their lives. Kids are being raised in a day and age where the world is saying that there is no absolute truth and this is leading to absolute chaos. Make this a priority, whether your kids understand why it matters right now or not. And men, it starts with you leading the way. Men, it starts with you being here. It starts with you reading your Bible, standing firm in the faith, and standing on God's word. Make Sunday mornings a priority for you and your family. Good things will happen. Now let's read that verse one more time. It says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Here's the third thing to write down, own your growth. I said this earlier, this is one of the values at Collective, this is my favorite one. Because the thing is, I can't make you grow. And honestly, it's not my job to make you grow. It is your job to grow you. What the leaders and what I try to do in this church and what we think that we're pretty good at is creating environments where growth happens, but it's your job to grow you. Think about it when it comes to the gym. You can hire a personal trainer and they can tell you what exercises to do and how to do them. They can even pick up the weights and bring them to you. But if you don't lift them, nothing changes. Right? You will not get stronger. Faith is the same way. Men, own your growth. 
Own your growth by working hard at following Jesus. Own your growth at reading your Bible every day. Own your growth by being vulnerable with others. Go first in your marriage when you do that. Own your growth by taking next steps. And don't wait for your wife, kid, or girlfriend to initiate it because they look to you. And the truth is they've already initiated it. They're already doing it and you're just standing there. Own your growth. Did you know that in the typical American church, women outserve men 60 to 40. Uh, that shouldn't surprise you, right? That's just kind of normal. It's been that way for a really long time. And our stats at Collective are a little bit better um, in that our team is 43% men. We're better by 3%. Still better, but not by much. But it kills me how many men don't serve in this church. And what kills me even more is how many wives serve in this church whose husbands don't and that all the teenagers that currently serve at Collective, it's all female but one. Men, your sons aren't serving because you aren't serving, and your sons aren't serving because you aren't walking with them and leading them in their faith. Let me push this a little further, though. In five years, we've celebrated 144 baptisms at Collective. 57% of them are female. And of all the students who have made decisions to get baptized, it's three females for every one male. And again, dads, this is because you are not getting baptized, right? And you know this. Your children will follow your lead. More importantly, your sons will follow your lead. And I believe that the disparity in those numbers in our church and the church as a whole is because we have men that aren't owning their growth, who aren't setting the pace for their family, who aren't taking next steps, and more importantly, who aren't showing the way to their sons. So men, here is one of the challenges for this series. It's to get baptized. And I'm not talking about the decision your parents made for you when you were a baby to have you sprinkled. I'm saying if you've never put your faith in Jesus, more importantly, if you've never been obedient to what Jesus teaches, right? you've simply never taken this step, own your growth, get baptized. This series will end on Father's Day. And that's intentional because Father's Day is a tricky day for a lot of us. A lot of us don't have good relationships with our fathers, which I'm going to talk about next week. And because of that, we get to this day and we don't really know how to feel. But what if we redeemed that day? What if we made that day about men in this church owning their growth by getting baptized on that day? Right? And if you are a father, it's you saying to your kids that you're going to be the father that God has called you to be. Not a perfect father, but the one that he's called you to be. And if you're single or if you don't have kids, what you're saying is that you're going to be that type of father right, now, right uh, one day, and you're setting that culture now. Right? I don't think there's a better way to redeem this day that brings all these feelings into our lives than that. And really, as a church, I think it redeems all of it because then we get to celebrate men who step into the lives that God has called them to live. We get to celebrate men publicly acknowledging that they know that they are men that God has called them to be, and they are game changers. And the reality for many of you, and we're seeing this a lot right now, is that your kids are starting to wrestle with this idea of baptism. Right? As collective grows, as collective kids grows, more students are getting out of collective kids and coming into this room. And men, you have to choose whether or not you will go first. Right? Think about it. How are you going to talk to your son about baptism if you aren't bold enough to do it yourself? How are you going to lead your daughters to that moment if you're too insecure to step into your own faith? 
For those of you who are going to be a part of the child dedication at the end of this month, how are you going to commit to raising your kids to love Jesus when you aren't willing to do that in your own life? And you getting baptized doesn't mean you know everything. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. It means that you know that your faith matters, that what you believe matters, that how you live your life matters, and that Jesus is the filter through which you live it. Men, I don't want to be the spiritual leader in your family. I don't. I struggle to do that with my own family. I cannot do that with yours as well. And honestly, it's just not my job. I want to challenge you, and I want to lead you as you lead your family. So let's go. Right? You need Jesus. You need him to forgive you. You need him to form you into who he created you to be. So humble yourself. Repent. Choose faith. Be baptized. Right, check the baptism box on the connection card that your insecurity has prevented you from doing and humble yourself to Jesus Christ. Act like men. Be a king. Be a lover. Be a sage. Be a warrior. I do have to warn you, though, because each four of these archetypes have a distortion. They have an aggressive distortion and a passive distortion. You're supposed to be a king, but you may be a tyrant. Think of the coach that just screams at his players. But you could also be passive. Think of the dad you've seen that allows his teenagers to be in control. You're supposed to be a lover. And you may be an addicted lover where it's all about using people just so that you can get off. You can be an impotent lover, and not in a physiological sense but meaning that something in you has died, making it impossible for you to care for others until you fix what's on the inside first. You're supposed to be a sage, but you could be a manipulator, and you could use your wisdom and knowledge to get people to do what you want instead of what God wants for them. Or you could be a denier, meaning that you have wisdom, and instead of using it appropriately, you just say, well, who am I? Or older men, I hear this a lot, I've paid my dues, it's time for other people to share their wisdom. And you're supposed to be a warrior, someone who fights for others. But you could be a sadist where you just enjoy inflicting pain, or you could be a masochist where you just enjoy getting hurt. All of those are shadows of the real thing. And that is why Paul says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Our world is in desperate need of some boys who will grow up, of some guys who will act like men. Because when that happens, God releases us into this world to expand his kingdom, and it changes everything. In 1872, Yellowstone National Park was created. And it was beautiful, uh, it was expansive, but there was a huge problem. And the problem was the gray wolf. And the gray wolf is a predator, it's aggressive, it's dangerous. And so partly due to government programs and partly due to fear, the gray wolf was hunted down. And by 1926, it was exterminated. So there were no longer any gray wolves in Yellowstone. But by the 90s, the park was facing a growing elk population that had no natural predators. And the elk were destroying the park. So after much debate and a lot of protest, in 1995, they reintroduced gray wolves into Yellowstone National Park. And the main result that they wanted to control the elk population worked. The wolves started hunting and eating the elk. But they were shocked by what else took place. Because the elk were hunted, they started avoiding certain areas where they would be easy targets. 
And in those areas, trees began to grow where they had not been for decades. Those trees attracted more species of birds, including bald eagles. Because there were fewer elk, there were more berries, which uh, attracted more bears. When those new trees grew, beavers naturally re-entered the park. They started to build dams. And these dams attracted otters, muskrats, ducks, fish, reptiles, and amphibians. As the wolves began killing coyotes, the population of mites, mice, and rabbits increased. This attracted more hawks and weasels and foxes and badgers. But the most striking thing that took place involved the rivers. Because the elk weren't eating everything in the park, the forest grew. Erosion stopped, rivers flowed more freely, and they found a new path through Yellowstone. And if you had asked the scientists 30 years ago, how many wolves does it take to change the course of a river, they would have said, you are crazy. But do you know what the answer is? 14. And because, of those 14, because those 14 wolves lived how God designed them to live, and we got out of the way of that, everything changed for the better. And so my question as we head into this series is this, how many men will it take to change Maryland forever? What I think is a few hundred will do the trick. I am convinced that if men live out their God-given calling, history will change forever in ways that we cannot see. I think of Yellowstone. Reintroducing the wolf made the entire environment healthier. Can wolves be dangerous? Yes. Do we need them? Absolutely. Men, our society tries to castrate you and tame you and say, that's not what we want. You just stay over there. And maybe it's because it's been done so poorly for such a long time. But what our world needs now more than ever is godly men. So be watchful. Stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Because if we act the way God tells us to, everybody wins. Let's pray. God, this is, um, this is a big challenge for us men. But God, the truth is, I know that people sitting in this room, specifically the women sitting in this room, knows how desperately this world needs men to act like godly men. To have men stand up and go first. To be willing to own their growth. To stand on scripture and lead the way. God, I'm thankful um, for the women in this church. God, I'm, I'm thankful for our, our teenage girls who um, really set an incredible pace. God, they are chasing after you, and it is admirable. But God, I, I don't want to be a church where the women lap the men over and over and over again. God, I, I want to be a part of a church, and I, I want to be the type of man, I want to lead the way where we run together, and we chase after you, and we watch how it changes our marriages. It changes how we see ourselves. It changes our city. It changes this church. God, God, ultimately, it changes generations from now. God, I, I know that's hard work. And to be honest, God, we're tired. God, we're carrying a lot of things. But God, I pray that the men in this church step into who you called them to be. And God, I pray that it changes everything. God, thank you for the challenge that you give us. God, thank you that you don't allow us to just sit back and shrink back and, and play the, oh, it's not on me card. But God, that we read what Paul wrote, and he tells the men of that church to act like men. And God, I pray that we do that. 
God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.